everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast of a bunch of writers sitting around drinking tasty beverages and talking about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. This episode, we will be talking about some fairly adult content, so this is your not safe for work trigger warning. Your host writers today are John Schmidt and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 134, Interview with Cat English. Welcome, Cat. We are so glad you reached out to join us. Um, I believe your agent found us and said, would we want to interview? And this is your first novel. And then they sent us a copy. And I have to say, I really liked it. This is something that is new in our space and definitely new to American audiences in general. As you talk very frankly about things that I think are alien to America, but people don't understand that. So... I thank you for writing this book. I wanted to start there. Thank you. I really liked the book. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It is really unique. It's just something really different. It is. It's called Briefly Yours. When can people come out and buy hardback? And are you going to be on Amazon? Yes. So the book will be out on Amazon. We're aiming at getting a date. We've not got an exact date just yet, but it's more to the end of January, slightly going into the beginning of February. The book's already gone to typeset, but me being me, I'm just having another quick look over it because, um, you know, when I'm editing and rescuing cats at the same time, sometimes I can just, I think to myself, what if I've missed anything? But yeah, um, hopefully end of January, beginning of February, it'll be out. I think that's fantastic. And I want to agree with you that working retail sucks. <laughs> 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 It's so target-driven, so demanding. Well, you talked about some stories, and I liked the point of view when you opened it, You when you first talk about selling perfume. That really sets the tone of it because, you know, what is the shape of the bottle? You are selling sex. And all through the retail industry of women's clothes, women's accessories, women's cosmetics, all of these things in a lot of ways are selling sex. They just don't want to be honest about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Nobody realises, I mean, you have to wear stockings. You are the ambassador of that brand. And it feels good to be flaunting them heels, walking around in that sexy mini dress. You know, you you really are. Well, I'll, I'll argue about the heels because I've never been a graceful human being. And my, my first attempt at walking in stiletto platform heels <laughs> nearly broke my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, near to the end of the day, gosh, you felt the blisters on your feet and you needed to get them heels off and get them flats on. And, you know, I, I'm a bit like, I'm, I'm a bit like Bridget Jones. I'm just a, a normal everyday girl. But uh, everybody's got that side to them. You know, they might not want to admit it, but, you know, everybody likes to read these, read it or hear about it, basically. You know, when I talk to my friends about what I've done in my life, they're all intrigued and inspired. They want to know more. So, that's what got me wanting to write it even more. I love it for being, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say briefly yours. Is it mostly autobiographical? It is. It really is. It's, it's all true. It's it's all about my life. And that's why I think it was easy for me to write. I didn't have to read loads of books. I was just putting pen to paper. And I, w I wasn't a book reader when I first started, I'll be honest with you, but I became a book reader and you know, I just, yeah, it's all about my life. So it's, it's all true. 
I, I think it's wonderful. There are an interesting point of view in America. We are still somewhat puritanical about sex. And for examples in the media of sex are things like Pretty Woman and... I love that. I love that film so much. I loved that too. But but everybody imagines there that everyone is, you know, dolled up and make it it's very glamorous. But I lived in Colorado and I pulled over once because there was a woman walking by the side of the road and she was dressed like your matronly aunt. She had strands of white in her hair and she was wearing a simple gingham dress and a cardigan sweater and white nursing shoes. And I thought, oh my goodness, somebody's librarian or nurse is, her car broke down and I picked her up and she was going all the way from Boulder to Denver. And like, so, so what do you do? I say, driving along as you do talking to your passenger, you know, that you've picked up. She's like, well, right now I'm going to go hook. Oh, right. Interesting. It is because yeah. it, it was more in America that she had been unemployed for quite some time and living with her sister. Now, the challenge is we don't have any much of a welfare program and much of anything program. So when she got a job, and she had did have a new job. The welfare stopped immediately. The the unemployment stopped immediately. And in order to get her children out, she needed first and last months in a safety deposit to get her own flat. And how do you come up with roughly a thousand dollars at the drop of a hat? And so she was going to go down and basically blowjobs and hooking just for the money. And it was, I think it was my first conversation of talking to somebody that was very matter of fact about it all. And I, I tell this story a lot, but I love your book for being very matter of fact that, you know, honestly, what if hooking is better than working retail? What if hooking is better than people yelling at you and angry customers and horrible management? And it brings a perspective that we don't have here. I don't want to tell everybody to start going out being a call girl, but, you know, that's just what I had to do. I mean, I was really struggling, you know, to put food in the cupboard on, on a minimum wage. I was hungry and I could barely afford to pay the bills. I was always behind. I, I had friends who had children who didn't have no food in the cupboards. And I thought if I could just buy them a bag of chips, hopefully that'll help them survive. And I remember saying to one of my friends, you need, you need to start working you know she she had to start well as i said going on the game you didn't glamorize anything and i liked that i mean your sex scenes are steamy and i have read i have read a lot of sex scenes and a lot of torrid romances and yours are really really well done and i wanted to throw that right in there saying well done you those are written in a very visceral way that takes the person there well, I mean, there was even more X-rated than that, but obviously I wrote, I started writing these books 10 years ago, so I just put pen to paper and I didn't know about what the other books were like out there. So as I started reading these other books, I thought, I, be I better tone it down a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all it's all true. And, uh, you know, I remember sending it to the first editor, um, because I wanted it organised well, because obviously I wasn't an author. And um, he said, you know, some of the scenes, him and his wife was laughing, and they said, you know, his wife said, this can't possibly be real. And he said, no, it is. And uh, he he helped me organise it very well as well. Um, but we've been over it that many times over the years. that, And, you know, I hope, I hope it's very well written. And other agents have looked at it and said, you know, they think it's very well written as well. 
I thought it was too. And you were also very straight up about the ick factor. You didn't shy away from that at all either. The unpleasant, the downside of it, the the horrible body odor, the people that treat women poorly and think they can do anything if they pay for it. And I think that's important too. I mean, this, like I said, the whole, this may be the best book on the industry I've ever read. Oh, really? Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be negative. I didn't want it to be all positive. I wanted to be honest. So some people are really hard to, to work with. And, you know, to be honest with you, I worked in a really VIP exclusive place and it was one of the finest in England. And, you know, I've also travelled to Australia to do the same. And you didn't have to see somebody if you didn't want to. So that's one good thing about it. But obviously, depending on where you work, some girls might be pushed into that more. Well, not pushed into it, but... Um, I'm quite tolerant and you know what I get on with everybody no matter what job I'm in whether it's retail cat rescue I get on with everybody so I'm quite a good judge of character and, and a lot of people get on with me as well because I'm quite honest and open and obviously easy to communicate with and it all matters about body language as well so you know there was downsides to it but there was also good sides to it and there was some really lovely people that I met like in Australia I met a doctor and I'd, I'd burnt my leg um, before I started work on some curling tons and he went out and he bought me some cream for my leg, which I thought was so lovely. Yeah, I I spent some time in Australia too and I knew a gal that had been a bookkeeper for a brothel, but she tells the story of, yeah, they asked her if she ever wanted to work and she's like, no, nah, I really just like doing the books. And, <laughs> and again, it was just so matter of fact and that is what I think is unique for uh, an American audience of here it's dangerous and and scary and icky and but this you make it very matter of fact and you make it racy and fun but at the same time icky is icky and when you go in and start talking about the cats i almost got a little teary your your description of how you started to follow in and become a cat rescuer and that really seems to have changed your life really has. I mean, I'm sat here in my mother's dining room and last night I saved, well, the night before I saved two little kittens and they're looking at me and they're so scared of me and they really are petrified and they're both huddling up to each other. I've got to administer eye drops to them. One of them might lose their eye and they've both got flu and they might not make it and their siblings in the vets right now are having seizures. I'm really, really busy rescuing other cats because they're irresponsible people and I just want to create awareness on the plight of feral and stray cats and how much they struggle and how crucial it is to just do the smallest thing you can do and just neuter and I've got a lot of friends all around the world in rescue which is lovely and obviously I've got some friends in America and they're really big on TNR and uh, if there's one thing you can do it's, it's to neuter your cats but you know I'm trying to get these through health and they're just looking at them right now they're so cute hopefully they'll make it through but it is sad there's a lot of sad sides to it but um, if I can do one thing in life by bringing this book out it's to make people aware and you know if they can just help even one animal it's just amazing you know all wildlife. I saw a movie recently the electric I hope I say this right, The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne. And he was an Englishman, uh, played by the very beautiful Benedict Cumberbatch. But he drew cats, and he drew cartoons of cats, and he seems to have almost single-handedly made cats popular as pets in England, and this was in the 19th century. And 
I loved that because I, I have a hope that your book might also then say, hey, stop treating cats as though they exist to be your rodent control. And they, you said it beautifully, they need food, they need a warmth, they, you know, they need to be safe from violence. And there's a lot that love that they can return. Our, we are very sad that our very own Chaz, who, who is not here with us today because he lost a beloved kitty. So we're so sorry and we love you, Chaz, because they can be, they're absolutely a part of your life. And I think your story about doing the rescue and looking out for them because it's the right thing to do, I hope that more people might be inspired by it. I really do. It's just, there's two sides to every story. And I know people might not agree with what I've done, but at the same time, I think a lot of people will. And no matter what you do, no matter how you make your money, as long as you're not hurting people. And, you know, I, I think I've done a really lovely thing. And, you know, I get contacted all the time about cats to go on farms uh, for rodent control. But it's like, these kittens, they was hunting to survive and really struggling out there. And with the flu, they would have died and nobody to take care of them. So, you know, I mean, even I just wish some people would give feral, chance, feral cats a chance of a home as well. So if it can do one thing, it's just, you know, to create awareness on a bigger scale, really. And when we were first talking about setting this up, you mentioned that you'd been working on it in a while. When did you get interested in writing and how long did this book take you? Was it your first book? So growing up, my mother, she always wrote stories about her life. I mean, she's got a really interesting life as well. So uh, I suppose it was always inevitable that I was going to write a book. But not long ago, me and my sister found out that our granddad, well, we did the ancestral DNA. We found our real grandfather. He's actually a, an author as well. So I suppose it's in my blood really but um I mean it started off as a diary you know it started off as a diary and from there it was like a notebook and from there I just started writing a word document so did you start with things like many people start by writing I, I call it the poetry in grade school short stories essays articles what what did you write before you wrote a full-on book I suppose every time I came across a really outlandish character. I thought it was crazy because you don't see things like this in, I call it the real world that we live in, you know. And um, when I was working, I just came across the most craziest people. And, you know, it was funny. It was really surreal. So I suppose after that, after I thought, I thought to myself, you know, when I was telling these stories to some of my friends, you know, they were really intrigued and they was like, I can't believe you could write a book about this. And I said, I'm writing it down every time I see a client, even if I'm typing it in my phone, I'm writing it down on a little piece of paper. I kept all the memories, which gave me enough content to write a few books. And maybe it's that it is actually in your voice, but I have read a few people's first novels um, that have come through and been on our show. Yours has a remarkable polish, I thought, in your turn of expression, in your in your clearness with which you write and describe things. You make it very visceral. I just wanted it to be as real as possible, basically. Just have my voice really running through it. Well, what tools do you use in this? Are you uh, write straight on a laptop? Or do you dictate? Do you write it down pen and paper, old school? 
how do you, how do you get started when you start writing a new chapter or a new face? Well, you wouldn't think so because well, well, I'm about thirty seven now. I say about, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm quite old school. I don't really. I'm not. In, I'm not really on loads of social media platforms. So my sister helps me run Instagram. I've only just opened up our Twitter account, really, and I do run the cat's Facebook. It took me a while to get used to it. So being so old school, I'm quite physical and practical. Obviously, I'm out there rescuing cats on the streets. And before that, I've helped my dad working on a farm, and I've been in retail. I've, I'm more physical, so I just found it easier to just have a pen and paper everywhere I went, basically, or just even typing it on. I mean, lately now you get these apps on your phone where you've got a notepad or something like that where you can just write it down. Or I've even got the Word app on my phone. So, I mean, you can even talk and it will type what words you want it to nowadays. But <laughs> when I started writing it 10 years ago, I didn't know about things like that. Just basically pen to paper, which is why it took us a bit longer, um, you know, implementing that onto the actual Word document on the laptop. No, I like it, except for apparently I have a strange way of speaking and Siri cannot read me very clearly at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it does that to me. Well, lately, I suppose if I was to write a fourth book, it'd be a bit different because I'm now helping wildlife, which is really crazy. I mean, the other day I was out trying to rescue a deer that ran through a river and basically I'm risking my life trying to save this deer. And you've got all kinds of birds, which basically like a cormorant, when you pick it up, it can actually, you've got to be careful about your eyes because it can take your eye out. So, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. So I'm, I'm now writing... Um, documenting everything I do with the wildlife as well on that word document. So I just, I just, when I'm so busy, I just talk into Siri and it types it down. So whether that's right or wrong, I'll go back to it and edit that later. Yeah. No, no, I love it. It's <laughs> I, we've had a few people that have talked about using John. Was it Dragon? What was? There's a couple speech to text. There's a number of programs now, and they're increasing all the time, but they're still not as good as writing it directly yourself, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you can go back and fix it. So you said three books. What are you working on your fourth? What are you working on right now? Well, so the first book's edited. The second and third book, they are edited, but I'd like I like to go over it again and obviously get a professional to look over it and just give it that that look over again. And you know, whether it needs to it might need a de developmental edit, which is what it will have if it needs it, but then we've well, with all the wildlife, it might get put into the end of the third book and then there could be a fourth book out there because <laughs> things have changed from when I first started. So I've done webcam as well, which was quite funny and not a lot of people, well, it's like robotic. You know, you, you're talking to somebody on a laptop and you're getting paid for it. It's quite cool. <laughs> it's quite funny because it's, at certain points, you know, just, just being paid to like suck your finger or lick your finger or wink at people, bend over, it's, it's really funny and obviously I've since then become into a more serious relationship so in my other books you, you know you might see where I've done slightly different work but there'll be teasers of that in, in, in the other books I think. Over here in the states there was a girl who created something called Jenny Cam and her name really was Jenny and she put a webcam in her bedroom and she had subscribers to basically watch her live her life. And it was literally watching her 
try on lingerie. She would <laughs> try things on and wander around and talk on the phone. And I didn't quite appreciate how many people, maybe they just need to be taken out of their own life and into something else, but it was respectable enough that she ended up in income that she ended up paying a, a friend of mine to be her webmaster. And that's a good sideline too, but it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways that people I think are taken out of their life and into a different life. And I think it's kind of neat in its own way. I talked to some of my rescue friends. They really do struggle. We're out there saving lives and we're doing out of our own pockets a lot of the time. The vets are really not cheap. You've got your antibiotics to pay for every single, you know, patient that's admitted, bird, cat, dog, anything. You, you need to see it through. So you've got your flea treatment, your worm treatment. You know, there's a cat in the vets at the moment and just for 48 hours, it's 580 pounds. And you can't just yeah. you can't just magic up that, that kind of money. And so I was telling a, a friend of mine to who runs another rescue to try even webcam or just something, you know, and it was really nervous. But I said, you know, you don't need to look a certain way. You can be different people like different things, you know, like it doesn't matter if you feel like you're too fat or you're too skinny or you're short or, you know, you've got small boobs or big boobs or short hair, long hair, nothing matters. Beauty very much is in the eye of the beholder and just... I, I wonder if sometimes you, you hint at something in the book that very much it can be just intimacy of having a friend or having somebody that you can play at being a friend. Yeah, it's not all about that. Because the mind, it's in the mind just as much as it's in the body. Well, you know, I, I know I have a lovely friend of mine. And so when I stopped working, he just became just a friend of mine. And, um, you know, it's not that that we have sex because we don't and we don't kiss. It's just a friendship and it's just what he likes basically. And whether that's going out to a spa or the cinema, it's just quite normal. It's nice to have a friend and he understands my life and what it's like to struggle. And, you know, I'm not seeing him anymore, but, you know, what he was once, I classed him as a friend of mine, even though he paid me. Yeah. What writers inspire you? You said you weren't much of a reader, but then you started settling in a bookstop. Which writers would you like to be more like? Who inspires you? I think because I've I've done what I've done, obviously. I mean, I find it really exciting to read erotica books and romance. And not just that. I mean, I just love like James Bond, the, the cat book, things like that. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Sylvia Day. I just love reading her books. Belle de Jour, Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Things like that, really. I mean, my grad, she loves re- reading about the war and her times, you know. So I know everybody have different different tastes. Well, there was, it was, there was part of me that was wondering if, like, because of all of the sections that are very focused on the animals, are you a... Uh... All, all creatures great and small, all things bright and beautiful, the stories about the vet in the fields, the James Harriet books. I mean, I've, I've not seen them kind of books, but, you know, yeah, I am intrigued about, obviously, animals, if, if people are helping animals, it's just everything, really. I've not really got a type. I just, you know, because I obviously, I had to read what was in the market. I already wrote my books and I'd already spoken to editors and ghostwriters and agents and I had to know what was in the market and my book had to have USP 
which it does now. There's no other book out there that's like mine. And I, I had to, and I wanted to make sure my book was different. And from the very start, it was it was like no other, and it was different. It's not wrote like other books, and it's just very real. So, you know. Agree. It's almost it's almost three books within one book. There's the the life and times of the call girls. There's the life and times of the re animal rescue, and then there's a little bit of the challenge of interpersonal relationships. Now, I'll be honest with you. Now, when I first started writing the books, it was only a call girl book. It was an erotic book. The cat section wasn't in it, but I realised that that is part of my life as well. And I remember my mum saying, "Why don't you put that in there?" Because the book needed to be something different. And it's true. I do this day in, day out, and you can see me on my social media. So I thought, why not? You know, it'll open the, it'll open people's eyes to basically a world that they've not seen before. It's right under people's noses. Yeah. I am I am deeply reminded of something that went on in the US. They're working and they were on a do crackdown on the illegal sex trafficking and the underage kids. And so there were some folks who did field research and they went to all of the major cities and talked to all of the kids living and selling themselves on the streets. And then they presented their findings to Congress. And what they found was not what Congress was expecting or wanted to hear. Yeah. Because the first one was that I think they were imagining, oh, all those poor little girls, but 42% of them were boys. Oh. And then it was the the ninety nine percent of the kids when they were looking particularly at kids were out there selling themselves and it was a better life than they had had at home either in a foster system or at home with abusive parents and that was an issue that how do you deal with it at a country level and so they just quietly let the study lapse and people went away and didn't do anything about it because how do you fix home life? <laughs> That's the thing. I mean. As I said in the book, I've not had uh, a bad upbringing. You know, I've had the most love off my mom, and she's really a lovely mom. She'll do anything for her children. And when I first started this, I didn't want to tell her. Um, you know, and she was worrying, "Where are you?" She kept ringing me, "Where are you?" So I had to tell her. But where I worked was different to on the streets. You had to prove, you know, that you you was from England and you, you driving license and your passport and you have to be a certain calibre. You, you just couldn't be just anybody go, going in there. And, you know, it, it's a bit different to, to being on the streets. And obviously I had to go to certain places. I don't know if it's in, you've read it in the first book, I think you probably have, where there's certain places where you can obviously get checked out for your health. And then I come across, yes. I come across these, these women and you can see it's so sad because they really have got drug and alcohol addictions and obviously they've got a lot of them have got psychological from the past and mental health and but there's a lot of help in the system as well and that was a nice setup where they was trying to help them girls but I don't have addictions I don't have alcohol or drug addictions or psychological problems for starting it was just merely needing needing the money and just being so poor we in America are deeply jealous of your national health care system. I beg of you, whatever you do, don't let them abolish it in favor of insurance. <laughs> well, my brother's actually in L.A. at the moment. He's out there for a bit longer because he's just caught COVID. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. So I really <laughs> want to come back because I don't want him to get more. Well, I don't want him to get more real and, you know, it's expensive out there. But, well, hopefully he's insured and he's just, he'll just come back soon, hopefully. But I know what you mean about that. Yeah. 
And what are you going to, what are you working on next? What's your next book going to be on? So the second and third book is basically, it's a little bit different. So I'm not in, in a parlor or a boutique hotel. That's what they call it in Australia. I, I, I literally went out to do it independently. So that's what the second book's about. And the third book, you know, it's about Australia and England. The fourth book's not started yet. So basically, it's just, obviously, I do wildlife now. So it'll be a bit of that if it does come out. But I, I could do a mixture of both in the second and third. Just see how the first book goes first. Oh, the wildlife rescue actually sounds kind of intriguing. I can see you chasing down a trash panda. No, you got to go to the vet. <laughs> Well, we've now got a GoPro, which you put on our head sometimes because, I mean, sometimes we can be out for 12 hours of the day. And sadly, a lot of the accidents are caused by human error, by man, you know, by letting, well, a lot of cat attacks as well, unfortunately, and I love cats, but rescuing birds, you see, well, 10, 10 birds every day had the wings totally ripped off. And I know in certain countries like Australia, it's a sore subject and, they keep the cats in and it's awful because you even kill feral cats out there. But if people was to, you know, just do a simple thing by TNR, that that's something. Yeah. We have a fairly active TNR group around here. I have a friend, Trish, down in San Jose that is involved with trapping, taking them in, getting them notched, etc. The The nice thing is mostly they charge 40 bucks to do it just because they are so glad to have it done. But the odds are honestly more often that the cat will need a little bit more help than just being fixed or spayed. Definitely. Well, that's the thing. When I take a cat in, I don't just neuter them. You've got to think about the fleas, the worms. And also, I don't know what it's like over in America, but in England now, they're about to bring something out where you've got to microchip cats very soon which is good because everybody needs to take responsibility of the cats you've got people moving house leaving the cats behind people not caring allowing the cats to just live outside and you're you're in winter now it's just it's not very nice and we have it worse that we've had a whole series of wildfires and there's a lot of missing pets and just you know disowned pets and people that are it's hard to find the connection so both for pets and for wildlife. It's got to be hard. Well, we will put links to your website and the topics we've been talking about on our website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee. Um, Kat, thank you so much for being with us today. And like I said, I'm really excited for this to come out. We will update the website with your book when it hits Amazon or wherever site that may be. Right now, it looks like they can order it through your website. Is that correct? Thank you. Well, the website's almost done, not fully. So as soon as the book's finished with the typeset, then you'll be able to buy it on the website as well. Thank you so much for talking with us today. We've really enjoyed you being here. Yes. Thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you as well. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is by George Rashween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on ManyHatsMusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs, and hey, you might want to consider reaching out and rescuing a few cats in your area, too. And thanks for listening. Thank you.